0: are Locked On 49ers. Your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is a rapid react episode. Round one, NFL draft is in the books. It was a little bit wild. It was definitely unexpected, as is always the case. It makes the draft so much fun. You think it's going one way. So much groupthink is involved in this process, and it's for months and months and months and months, and analysts and people start to all kind of have the same ideas, and reporters get information, and everyone believes the same things are going to happen. And then it comes draft day, and and everything's put on its ear. And then some of the things you thought were lies the whole time end up being true. And so it's a lot of fun. And uh, we'll get into some of that stuff that happened on round one, including the newest 49er, Nick Bosa, defensive end out of Ohio State. And really the first round couldn't have gone any better from a 49ers perspective. More on that, and more who's still on the board going in today, two. And, uh, you know, aside from some massive trade offer that the 49ers could have collected a ton of picks and dropped down and still gotten a really good player, I think, you know, going Kyler Murray 1 to the Cardinals and leaving Nick Bosa, who I I think still was the best player in the draft, there for the 49ers at 2 is about as good as this thing could have gone. And then what happened after that second pick is really important and that leaves the 49ers in a very good position going into the second round and probably into the third round don't forget to subscribe rate review the show on the new himalaya podcast app as well as itunes we're on google podcasts we're on spotify you can find me on twitter at bd peacock and of course we are going to get into some mailbag shows here next week and answer all your questions about all of the new players that the 49ers bring in over the weekend i'm not sure if i'm going to get a show up after rounds two and three uh, might be all the way until Monday before you hear from me again, but I'll try to get something up over the weekend because I think the second, and third round is going to be a lot of fun. So we'll see what happens there. But, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be <laughs> the 49ers are in a great spot. This is really a good position for the 49ers to be in to have the position where they are able to draft the best player in the draft in Nick Bosa, I think, and then have potentially there's two guys that are still in my top 10 available. And I think there's some injury situations there with those guys as well. Um, You can hear more about who Nick Bosa is and some of his background and what kind of a player he is. If you go back and listen to the NFL Draft Profile show I did on Nick Bosa, I believe it was Bosa and DK Metcalf together on that episode. DK Metcalf, the best player available on my board for day two. Could they both end up being 49ers? I don't know. But um, a little bit more here real quick on... Nick Bosa the player. Who did the 49ers get in Nick Bosa? And forgetting about all the you know what he liked on social media and him deleting tweets, and it's like, oh my God, that thing that that conversation's so tired. We're not going to get into any of that stuff today. But it's all about Nick Bosa the player, who's a fantastic fit for what the 49ers need. And just that last perfect puzzle piece because the 49ers went out in free agency, they got D Ford. They get to the quarterback in very different ways, but both very effective. Nick Bosa brings a little bit more power to the table, but with how much power he brings and how much technique he brings, he has some flexibility. Like, he can flex around the corner unlike someone who's usually that big and that strong. And Kyle Shanahan talked about it after the draft about how technically refined Nick Bosa is. Like, he's... he's a veteran NFL player as far as technique goes. And you don't get that very often coming out of college. So you don't have to squint very hard to see what kind of player he's going to be in the NFL. And Nick Bosa said himself, he said he loves the scheme. It's a perfect fit. It's what he's been doing his whole life, basically, so he can jump right in and acclimate really quickly. And I totally agree with that. And he plays with that that level of speed and burst and violence off the line that is both... It puts the offensive lineman immediately at a disadvantage. I think that's the best way to put what kind of a player Nick Bosa is. He's not going to run around you all day, and he's not going to, because some prospects that are speed rushers, they just get, you know, they might hit 1 in 10, but they're getting completely blocked up the other times. You know, they're just they're trying to get the corner. Don't get it. Trying to get the corner. Don't get it. Trying to get the corner. Don't get it. Nick Bosa puts pressure on an offensive lineman and on an offense instantly because he can put... That offensive lineman in the quarterback's back, uh, he can affect the running lanes because of his power and his ability to shed and his ability to control his man. And uh, what he does is is playing half a man, I think, is the best way to describe the what he's able to do versus a player. So basically, it's like, OK, you want to run inside? Well, your inside arm, even if I started outside of you, like let's say he's lined up as the right defensive end. And the left tackle wants to keep him out there because the running play is supposed to go in the gap to the offensive lineman's right. Nick Bosa has this ability to play across the face of that offensive lineman and press that opposite shoulder. And sort of the wrong shoulder, as they call it, and able to blow up plays that way. Or he can just play through the guy and and push him into that gap, put the, push the offensive lineman into his own gap. Or he can completely just bat your hands away and leave you standing there grasping at air. And he's behind you and he's making a play in the backfield, which is the number one strength that he has is that gift that he has with his hands. Uh, He uses a a two hand swipe to knock an offensive lineman's hand away. Uh, That's probably his number one move. He's really good at that. He's talked about how he wants to incorporate some other things. Basically he's on a master's level as far as a pass rusher goes versus some of these other college players coming out. They just don't have that level of technique yet. And For some guys, they'll never get there. And I think that's the great thing about Nick Bosa is he's ready to play. He's a really good football player already. He affects the run. He affects the pass. He's got burst. He can beat you with some of that speed. He can beat you with some flexibility around the corner. And he can also beat you with power and technique. He can beat you outside. He can beat you inside. He's just a really complete player and a guy you don't have to take off the field. And now it's just up to him to stay healthy. And the 49ers got themselves A really good player in Nick Bosa at number two overall. So some more thoughts coming up here about the draft and how the first round went. And then we'll get into the best players available for day two. And when it comes to selecting the right talent, as I believe the 49ers did with Nick Bosa, uh, hiring is a challenge. And essentially the 49ers hired the best player they could possibly find in this round of candidates. But hiring is challenging. And there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. Unlike some NFL teams, ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. That's one word, locked on. ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. Locked on Zip Recruiter, the smartest way to hire. And I think some NFL GMs could utilize that, or some owners finding GMs might need some Zip Recruiter. So when it comes to the NFL draft, there are lies, there are damn lies, and there are lies that turn out to be true. And Kyler Murray going number one overall all this time, even within the hour before the first round started. It was, oh, it's going to be Quinn and Williams, and that's what all the buzz was about. So I don't know if the Cardinals are just having fun with people. I don't know if that was a last-minute ploy, if there was, you know, and these guys are slotted for the most part as far as contracts go, but I wonder if there was a little contract situation with Kyler Murray that, you know, they were like, oh, he could go Quinn and Williams here, or if that was a last-ditch effort to try to get some trade interest drummed up. But Kyler Murray goes number one overall. Josh Rosen still an Arizona Cardinal. Thought it was maybe going to be the New York Giants or Washington Redskins to move uh, to move one of their draft picks for Josh Rosen, and that didn't happen because both of those teams drafted first-round quarterbacks, and neither team had to move up, which I think is maybe one of the most surprising parts of this first round. There wasn't as much movement at the top as you thought, and nobody moved up for quarterbacks. You have to go all the way back to the 2014 draft and Blake Bortles, number three overall, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's the last time a first round quarterback was taken by the team that originally had the pick aside from teams that already had the number one overall pick. Obviously you can't move up from there. Every other time since then, if a quarterback was drafted in the first round, aside from number one overall, that team moved up to get him. And then we see this happen today where all three quarterbacks were drafted by the original team at their original slot. And I think that's kind of surprising. And I think, Partially what that says is that other teams didn't care that much about the quarterbacks and they weren't dying to go up and get those guys. And especially as you could tell, Dwayne Haskins fell all the way to 15 on his own. There was so much talk this week about Washington moving up into the top five because they wanted a quarterback. And it turns out they didn't have to. They just sat there and they got Dwayne Haskins. I thought that was a great pick. I thought that was one of the best picks of the first round because if he turns out to be a franchise quarterback, you're golden and you didn't have to trade up to get that guy. On the other hand, Daniel Jones at number six is an interesting one because it sounds to me like, and from my evaluation, which doesn't mean anything, but from everybody else's evaluation pretty much in the world and from what it sounds like every other team in the NFL, nobody wanted Daniel Jones except for the Giants. They drafted him at number six rather than try to make a move, which sounds like maybe it'll only take a second round pick, right? Obviously, it has to take a second round pick. At maximum at this point, as far as twenty nineteen picks goes, to get Josh Rosen. I mean, if I'm the New York Giants, unless there's something that we don't know about Josh Rosen and his personality or or something that he's a lost cause. And the Cardinals are just like, Yeah, we gotta eat this one because this guy's not it, and we got ourselves a new quarterback. And maybe that's the case. I don't know. And the Cardinals know Josh Rosen better than anybody. And they just went out and drafted another quarterback. So maybe that tells you all you need to know there. But as far as just pre-draft evaluations go and how good most people thought Josh Rosen was going to be, it would be much more advantageous to give up your second round pick if you're the New York Giants at pick 37 rather than drafting Daniel Jones at pick six. So that David Gettleman, completely just befuddling me. I I don't know what the Giants and David Gettleman's plan is or or what they're doing. I mean, they at least, I mean, they drafted a quarterback, so that's obviously their their plan now. That's the secession plan. Daniel Jones to Eli Manning. Uh, But, um, I don't know. If I was a New York Giants fan, I wouldn't have a ton of confidence about the way this thing is going for the New York Giants. But, we'll see. We'll see. People have been wrong. I have been very wrong. For, for sure, but right now that it does not look good for the Giants. There are a lot of teams where I like what they did on draft night, uh, at least so far in the first round. Quinn and Williams at number three to the Jets. They didn't overthink that one. They didn't go for a more pressing need and get Josh Allen over Quinton and Williams. And again, if you listen to the show, you know I think Williams and uh, Nick Bosa were in their own tier, and so you don't jump tiers, and so they didn't. They They took the best player there at three, And they did not take Josh Allen, or, uh, and and obviously, you didn't have any trade offers there. The crazy one here was pick four, Cleveland Farrell. Nobody had Cleveland Farrell back in the beginning of the draft process, like starting with the, you know, September, October during the football season. Cleveland Farrell was thought as a, you know, a top 10 pick for the most part, or or at least potentially a top 10 pick. And that kind of went away. And people, most people thought he was maybe going to go around the 20s, pick 20, maybe you know 15 to 30 area. I mean, still first rounder, but just not a top 10 pick anymore cuz you just didn't quite have that juice. And the Raiders shocked everybody. That was the first big wow moment was Cleveland Farrell going to the Raiders at number 4. And you know, everyone making fun of the Raiders and and it, it's kind of like, okay, they're doing their their weird ass raidery stuff. But then I saw a video of Mike Mayock making the phone call to Cleveland Farrell. And something really stuck out to me about that conversation. And I kind of realized where Mayock was going with this thing. And it made me like the pick a lot more. And essentially what it was, and I should have pulled the audio for it, but essentially what it was is Mayock saying, look, the number one thing I need from you is to be a leader. And that's, you know... From all reports, Cleveland Farrell's got, you know, he's a good pass rusher. He's a good edge player. He's a complete player. He can play the run, but he's off the charts character wise, too. And so I think that's what's going on here for the Raiders. It was a tone setting draft pick. It was like, look, we want a culture change here. We want a flat out leader. We're going to draft the player that we think can set this culture the best in this draft that could also play football and is a first round player. And so that's why they tabbed Cleveland Farrell as the guy. And I can't really fault that logic. The only thing I will say is they probably could have moved around and maybe dropped back if there were any offers and you don't know if there were and gotten Cleveland Farrell a little bit later and added some value or, you know, played the waiting game and traded up from pick 24 to get Cleveland Farrell and drafted another really good player at number four instead. So that's, you know, the gripe with that. But if they did, you know, if they are trying to change the culture and they got their, guy and he's a good player for them for a long time then you can't fault him for that pick but you know right now on the surface it it looks like a reach for sure Daniel Jones at six uh, that one stands out and we'll see maybe Gettleman's right maybe he's that franchise quarterback um I don't know I he wasn't even in my top 50 players so we'll see what happens with uh, Daniel Jones and see if most everybody else except for the New York Giants are wrong about his uh talent level as a passer Josh Allen at seven to the Jacksonville Jaguars, the much argued about player Josh Allen. I think this is actually a really good fit. And, you know, pick seven feels a lot more right for Josh Allen than a lot of 49ers fans that wanted him at pick two. Even, you know, I like the player. I just didn't love Josh Allen. And now he can be on a really good defense in Jacksonville. Doesn't have to be the guy right away in that defense. So he has some time to develop his edge skills and his pass rush skills. And he's got a bunch of other really good players around him to sort of carry the load while he figures things out and develops. And it's a really good team. And uh, I like the pick. And basically at that point, the Jaguars are like, yeah, this is the best player, so we're going to take him. And so I actually like that selection and that fit for Josh Allen going seven to the Jaguars. And that's kind of the area he should have been going in all along. And, you know, the pick one and two overall hype uh, toward the end of the college season was just, you know, a little bit much, I think, for Josh Allen. Although, obviously, he's still a top 10 player. Ed Oliver to the Bills, I like that one. They just stood back and said, okay, we'll just take the best player when he's here. And Ed Oliver's that guy. I like that pick. Jonah Williams to the Bengals. I love that selection. And it looks like they are going to play him at offensive tackle. Obviously, if you're going to draft a guy in the top 11 picks, you probably are going to try him out at tackle and not guard if there's an option there. And uh, I really like that selection. The first trade was actually at number 10. Skipped over that one. The Pittsburgh Steelers moving up from 20 to 10 to draft a linebacker, which is kind of shocking. Uh, Devin Bush. But in this class, it's pretty obvious there's two top linebackers. It was Devin White, who went five to Tampa, and Devin Bush, who went 10 to the Steelers. And after that, there was a ca- just a massive chasm of drop-off to the next best player. And the Steelers needed a linebacker. That's their guy. And they moved up to grab him. And uh, I don't have... The exact trade, what was given up for them to get there. But um, on the surface, as far as going to get your player, I like it. Uh, top 10 linebacker. You know, I don't know if it's worth whatever they had to give up. If they have to give up future first or whatever it was. Um, and I should have that information. I don't know why it's not listed on here. Uh, let's see what that trade was. Okay, so it was the Steelers' second round pick this year. 52 overall and a 20, 20 third rounder. So they did not have to dip into a future first round pick. So that's, I think that's... A big deal so that's that makes it a lot better a second and a third and a first is what they essentially spent on you know a five foot ten linebacker so that's I don't know, it's, it's interesting I like the player and I do like the player I think he's number 12 on my board so picking him 10 overall makes some sense uh giving up three picks to get up to get him is a lot and um so he's got to be great He's got to be a great linebacker if you're going to move up that far to get that guy. And that's why you don't want to go into the draft with just that one big need, that one thing where you're like, we have to get this one kind of player, this one thing, um, because then you have to overspend in some cases like the Steelers did. Although God, they got a good player. I liked Devin Bush a lot. Rashawn Gary to the Packers, a uh, total reach. I think he's in the thirties on my big board. Just not a player. I like a lot. I don't know how he's going to fit in with the Packers and we'll see how they use him. And, uh, you know, maybe 3-4 defense end. That would be probably his best position. So we'll see if that's uh, what he does for the Packers. The Dolphins passed on quarterback. They're sitting there at 13. Dwayne Haskins fell. They went Christian Wilkins defensive tackle instead. Have no problem with Wilkins there talent-wise, but I, I would have thought they would have gone quarterback with him falling into their lap like that. Brian Burns, 16 to the Carolina Panthers. I think that's one of the best value picks in the first round. Uh, looking at... The Packers, interestingly, moved up to get Darnell Savage, man. Darnell Savage had some heat late in the process, and he was a riser, and they didn't even think they could sit back at 30 and grab him. They went all the way to 21 to take Darnell Savage, and he was the first safety on the board, and he was the first safety on my board. I think I had him at 26. He went 21 to the Packers, and I think they got themselves a pretty good player, a dynamic player to go with Rashawn Gary with their first two draft picks. And some final overall thoughts here on the first round before we get to the best overall players available for day two is big people. And I've talked about this before in the podcast is don't be surprised if a big player goes over a small, quick, fast player. And the small, fast guys are super fun. And they're the guys that we like. And, and you know, draft nicks really, I think, elevate up the draft boards. But big people get drafted early in the NFL. NFL teams love the big guys, whether it's offensive linemen, whether it's big defensive ends like Cleveland Farrell and, and Nick Bosa. That's what the NFL likes. And I think it was Scott McLuhan on the first day on the job for the 49ers as GM. He said, quote, it's a big man's game. And you see it every year. A bunch more big players go in the draft in the first round early than you think. And it was the same this year. And the run on tackles at the end was crazy. There was guys that Titus Howard from Al- little Alabama State, Titus Howard. People thought maybe he could sneak in the second round. He got all the way up to number 23 to the Houston Texans, who, again, just the obvious, big, huge, glaring need. Maybe they had to reach a little bit to get their tackle, especially with Andre Dillard going to one spot ahead of him to the Eagles at pick 22, who moved up in front of the Texans. That's the other thing. So everyone in the world knows you need a tackle. Well, you got to get up in front of 23 if you want your tackle, as the Eagles did drafting Andre Dillard. There was Caleb McGarry, another player that wasn't ever getting mocked in the first round. The Falcons traded up the Rams to 31 to get that tackle out of Washington. So some surprising players that names that you didn't see in the first round really ever in mocks going late in the first round as offensive tackles. And then I think the big one that really sticks out here is the Seahawks because they traded out of 21 with the Packers. So the only pick they had left was the one they got from Kansas City when they traded away Frank Clark. And they drafted LJ Collier from TCU defensive end. 6'2", 283. Um, Not a wow athlete or anything. Sort of a tweener at that size. 4'9", 140. Six sacks last year. He's an okay player, but I don't think anyone had him in the first round. So second year in the row, Seahawks drafting a player that most people universally did not have in the first round. And again, the the first round went great for the 49ers. Cardinals did not improve their team they drafted another well they improved their team at a position that doesn't help them be better because they still have a bad team around there guess what now again second year in a row they have a rookie quarterback Seattle Seahawks reached for a player in LJ Collier in my opinion the Rams didn't have a first round pick at all and a ton of great players on the board for the 49ers who are those players let's get into that Best available for the 49ers on day two of the NFL draft. They're picking at 36, so the fourth selection in the second round, they are going to have their pick of some very good prospects, two of which were in my top ten coming into this thing. D.K. Metcalf, wide receiver out of Ole Miss. You got to take the swing on that. In the second round, you got to take the swing on that kind of physical wow ability. D.K. Metcalf, number one guy still on the board. Jawan Taylor, offensive tackle out of Florida. And both of those guys, if you look at my big board, there's little asterisks next to their name, and that is because there was some injury stuff. DK Metcalf, he, he missed half of his uh, what redshirt sophomore season because of, and by the way, he's just a pup. 21 years old, he's a redshirt sophomore. That guy's a freak of nature. 6'4", four, four, three, three, 228 pounds, ridiculous. You got to take a swing on that guy. Uh, if you're the 49ers, just sitting there at 36, even if he's not you know, stylistically the perfect fit for you. But D.K. Metcalf had the neck injury, neck surgery, which I think is probably the number one reason why he's still on the board, which might be a huge red flag. Maybe that neck did not uh, look good to doctors and multiple teams are passing on that. And uh, if that's the case, if he's not going to be able to play football. Then, you know, maybe, you, you know, you continue to pass on him and you, and you have to. And maybe that's what's going on with D.K. Metcalf. I'm not sure. Uh, but Juwan Taylor late in the process uh, came out that he had a knee injury. So I'm not sure if it was something that he hurt while he was working out. If it's a long term thing for him. If it was something like they, you know, did an MRI and he just turns out he has an old injury or like bone on bone in his knee, the old bone on bone. Teams hate that when they they get the MRI back and you got the bone on bone going on in your knee. But even with the injuries, I'm surprised both DK Metcalf and Jawan Taylor are still available right now going into day two. Uh, the next best prospects, Byron Murphy, cornerback from Washington, greedy Williams, cornerback from LSU with how much, uh, Teams are passing this these days in the NFL, and how many teams need corners, and how every team basically needs a corner. And you can't have enough cornerbacks. Byron Murphy and Greedy Williams still out there, which is quite surprising. There's a number of other cornerbacks that are still available. Uh, next in line on my list of best availables, Hakeem Butler still out there. Dalton Reisner, offensive tackle from Kansas State, Nasir Adderley, safety from Delaware, Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Uh, all those guys still on the board. So the 49ers, well into the second round, will have very good selection of players. Some of these guys I have as first round grades. Top 15 players on my big board. Only two wide receivers and three defensive backs went in the first round. That's that's a huge shocker to me. But I think a lot of teams are waiting because they know there was depth at those positions, and we might see a crazy run on both defensive backs and wide receivers in round two. And I think it'd be smart for the 49ers to Maybe try to jump back in on that action. Pick the best available guy at 36. If you think that's a cornerback, if you think it's a safety, if you think it's a wide receiver, offensive line starting to get real thin. Dalton Reisner looking mighty nice there at the top of the second round. Do what you have to do there at 36 and then get on the phone from 67. So you can get up to pick 55. And one of those guys that I just mentioned is still on the board. I think that's the best way to play this thing, and I think the most likely position to be available still is probably safety, judging by the way things went in this draft. Maybe Eric Armstead is still on the block. John Lynch said that Solomon Thomas is definitely not on the trading block, even though there are rumors about that Thursday, but he didn't say that Eric Armstead was not on the trading block. So we'll see, maybe that would help them get another player there on day two. But a lot of options for the 49ers, they could move in any direction. They could move down and still get a really good player. Maybe get a couple extra picks that help them move back up. So maybe move down and up in the second round. Uh, but endless opportunities, some really good players on the board. I named some of my favorites there that I hope the the 49ers are picking from at pick 36. All right, looking forward to the rest of the NFL draft. We've still got six rounds to go. Two of those rounds the 49ers don't have selections in, rounds 5 and seven. Oh, and I did not mention the Shadow 49ers selection, and I think it's no surprise. He was the number one player on my draft board, Nick Bosa. Uh, the Shadow 49ers and the real 49ers collide there, and uh, I think that was the obvious choice for me. Nick Bosa, defensive end from Ohio State, the newest 49er, and uh, he looks like he's going to be a terror early for the Niners off the edge, and it's going to be an interesting rotation there on the defensive line for the Niners, but a lot more picks To come, we'll be breaking it down all right here on Locked On 49ers.